Yes, yes, the problem child has returned, or rather, the two problem children have returned. One way less significant, me. I mean, nobody really gives a shit about me, but more importantly, um, as you can hear from the song that was playing at the beginning of this podcast, CM Punk has returned to WWE. We are going to dive into that and so many other things. I know it's been a long, long time. I'll get into that at another point, but welcome to episode eight of the Power Hour with Free Royal, and I, of course, am Free Royal. It's been a while, as I've said. I've I've missed you guys. I've missed doing this. I've missed, you know, expressing my thoughts and feelings on this platform, and I'm back. Uh, There's been a lot of things I've been doing. I've been really busy. I've been progressing in my career, paying for some things, shoring other things up, trying to make it so that I can release a single for you guys, and, you know, down the road an album, and... All sorts of other exciting things, but right now it's not as exciting because I'm just doing a lot of the legwork, but really the hard part is pretty much over, so it's just a lot of little things that I'm working on, but yeah, man, I hope you all have been good, and I got a pretty stacked lineup of topics today. We are going to dive in to basically an overall state of the NBA season, a state of the NBA, Um, you know, all of those topics that would come into play that you would expect like the in-season tournament I'm going to talk a little bit about the standings MVP rankings I mean obviously it's a little early but we can kind of talk about some guys that may be separating themselves surprises as far as teams in general maybe players you know surprises guys that have been pleasant surprises as far as their performance this season and of course with that comes disappointments the same will go for the NFL season as well. You know, standings, MVP rankings, surprises, and disappointments. Going to talk about some things on my mind. And I'm also going to, of course, as I said, dive into CM Punk's return to WWE, as well as talk about kind of the state of the WWE as it stands right now since Triple H has fully taken on the reins of creative, not being, you know, held down or kind of having to answer to Vince McMahon anymore, as well as kind of the state of AEW, because it's kind of a trickle-down effect with Punk having uh, now signed with WWE, so all of that I am going to bring to you. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to this YouTube page. I would really appreciate it. I want as many people as possible to hear this, and I know I've been gone for a while. I know I'm kind of absent here one day, gone the next, but I'm trying my best to... um, You know, I'm going to try my best rather to make this a more consistent thing, even if it's not weekly, maybe bi-weekly. Get these episodes out to you guys because there's a lot of stuff I missed. You know, I I wanted to make an episode about the James Harden trade. I, you know, I couldn't. I've just been so busy. But yeah, man, I'm back. So let's dive into this. You know, the first topic we're going to talk about is just the NBA season as a whole. The in-season tournament just wrapped up. The Lakers defeated the Indiana Pacers in the finals of that tournament. And man, I got to be honest, I was, prior to knowing the entire setup of the in-season tournament, I was very skeptical because I felt like, you know, are they adding games? Is this going to be some sort of gimmicky tournament that we really can't identify with as basketball fans because, you know, soccer teams have tournaments all the time and it seems like the soccer season 
sort of never ends. It seems like it's, you know, 365, even if guys are playing in other leagues or national teams or, you know, whatever. But with the NBA, you're just not used to an in-season tournament. I mean, even in college basketball, you have a lot of in-season tournaments. You have a lot of showcases. But with the NBA, you know, it's just basically the long 82-game season. Adam Silver's idea to add more excitement to the beginning of the season definitely, in my opinion, worked out. You could tell the players really cared, especially the guys at the end of the bench. That 500K bonus is major. Um... 500k does not hurt, you know, even the richest player in the league. So teams were playing hard. There were some blowouts, but there are also a lot of really entertaining games. There was a lot of, um, there were a lot of rather intense moments in those games and the crowd seemed to be into it. With that came new uniforms, new courts. Some of them were a bit egregious. The colors were almost seizure inducing, but Overall, I really liked it. Now, of course, with that comes the minimizing of the Lakers winning because, of course, it's LeBron James and it's the Los Angeles Lakers. So anytime that they accomplish really anything, you know, it'll be shot down as unimportant. No cares about a midseason tournament. Well, look, I'm not big on hypotheticals, but are you going to tell me that if the Indiana Pacers didn't win that tournament, people wouldn't be coming out of the woodwork saying, why don't you put the Pacers on television more? Why don't you put them on national TV more? Tyrese Halliburton is a superstar, which look, all of that is true, but it would have been the result of the Pacers winning the in-season tournament, the same in-season tournament that people are now trying to minimize because the Lakers won it. And a lot of people said that prior to the finals, they said, look, if the Lakers win, we already know what people are going to do because anything having to do with LeBron James will be minimized, detracted from, etc. The Lakers are a far better team this year. They are far better defensively. Anthony Davis, even though he struggled early on in the season, kind of, I won't say he was dogging it, but there were certain nights that he was just kind of floating. He's been putting together some really good performances. He never really lacks on defense, but sometimes you just want him to, you know, do a rim run, seal somebody, call for the ball, and dominate. And sometimes, you know, he just isn't really looking to do that, which is a bit disappointing because, you know, at one point in the season, they had LeBron in a minutes restriction, and they would have lost 50, 60 games if they had him on a fucking minutes restriction. LeBron playing 30 minutes a game against this version of the NBA, where a lot of teams are better, everybody from Orlando to Houston, teams that were underdeveloped have gotten better with a year of, you know, cohesion and chemistry. The Lakers were going to lose a lot of games if they kept him at 30 minutes. Now, I don't think LeBron should be playing 41 minutes per game or anything like that, but at the same time, I mean... There's a happy medium, you know, there's a 35, 36, anywhere from 34 to 36 minutes. They'll be competitive with any team in the league. But, you know, overall, the NBA, there's been some high quality basketball played. There's been some low quality basketball played, you know, such is the ebbs and flows of the NBA season um, as it stands right now in the Eastern Conference. Boston is 16-5. They are first in the Eastern Conference, followed by the My League Pass team, 
Orlando Magic, 16-7. The Bucks are also 16-7. We know that they added Damian Lillard in the offseason. Um, it's been very interesting to see that dynamic because Damian Lillard has tried to sort of ease his way into things. Giannis pretty much playing the same game. Damian Lillard has to sort of um, get everybody involved and at the same time get his own offense, which I think is kind of new to him in a way because, you know, I know that when CJ was there, he kind of played a lot of shooting guard. He played a bit off ball um, as CJ transitioned into, you know, the New Orleans Pelicans. Of course, he did have to take on more of a playmaker role, but still, you know, he was looked at as a guy that was going to have to score 30 a night as well. On Milwaukee, you know, anywhere from 25 to 27 per game will get it done. Um, My issue with Milwaukee right now is just, it seems like their rotations are a bit fucked up. It seems like Bobby Portis and guys that contributed last year a bit more have taken a backseat as a result of Dame coming on. And Bobby Portis works really hard on the boards. He defends the best big man on the opposite team almost every game. I think he deserves more touches. I watched him get pretty frustrated in that Indiana game because there were a lot of times they missed him in transition. They missed him in the post, and I think he should be touching the ball more because he's a guy that should be averaging 15 to 20 points per game based on his ability. He's not going to get those touches. Of course, they're trying to ease Chris Middleton back in as well because he had that knee injury last year, but... I think Milwaukee will be fine. I think my main issue with them right now is defensively. It just seems like the chemistry isn't quite there, but they'll eventually um, start to really blow teams out because they just have too much talent not to. Um, In the fourth spot is the Philadelphia 76ers. This is an example of addition by subtraction. Look, everybody knows my opinion on James Harden. Don't like the guy. Think he's not even anywhere near worth the headache that he gives you on a yearly basis. You had that whole shitty situation that happened between him and Daryl Morey. Oh, I was lied to. Yeah, well, you didn't shoot the ball when you were right underneath the rim against the Celtics in certain games, too. Everybody wants to forget that because of your little 40 ball that you dropped when you were when you were hot that night. That's great. You still have no first step. You still can't consistently get by, guys. You bitch and moan about your role on pretty much every team after a while. And Philadelphia has gotten better as a result of him not being there anymore. I mean, Robert Covington has played important minutes. He's always been a really good player, but he kind of got buried on the Clippers, um, you know, out of the rotation for a while. Now he's back. And, um, you know, Tyrese Maxey has taken on a bigger scoring load, and that's great because he's a great talent. Obviously, Joel Embiid playing at an MVP level. Tobias Harris is getting more touches as a result. Overall, I really like this Philly team. Can they compete with the Celtics in the playoffs for a seven-game series? I think they're about a piece away. Um, they can give the Bucks a bit of a scare, though, in my opinion. I think they can give the Bucks a bit of a, st- a scare, rather, if they see them in the playoffs. That should be interesting. Um, the Pacers are in the fifth spot right now, 13-8. and eight. Tyrese Halliburton has taken a huge step forward this year. He's always been a really great uh, point guard as far as getting other guys involved. He's always been a great shooter. But he's really taken on that role as a leader on that team. And they have a lot of guys that are kind of, you know, they have a chip on their shoulder. Like Buddy Heald, you know, he's been to a few spots. And, you know, he's been included in some trades where he wasn't really the focal point of the trade. He just was kind of tacked on. And, you know, it kind of feel, feels like he wasn't wanted in certain locations that he was in. But, I mean, you know, you also have Miles Turner who was having issues 
with his role last year, and he's playing really well this year. TJ McConnell, in my opinion, has always been one of the better backup point guards in the league. He's playing really well as well. Um, he's playing really well as well. Easy for me to say. Uh, Bruce Brown. Um, Bruce Brown is a really good defender. Uh, he's also a guy that can get others involved and get his own offense as well. Really kind of like a glue guy. He's pretty good. Indy puts up a lot of points. They're going to put a scare into somebody in the playoffs, I'm sure, as long as they keep this momentum that they have right now. I'm sure they'll make it into the playoffs. Um, next, you have the New York Knicks. I just, you know, there's something about the Knicks. There's something about the Knicks that just, I can't trust them. And I think it's really Julius Randle. Julius Randle is so sometimey with his decision-making, with his effort on defense, with his inconsistent shooting, um, his, you know, tendency to rely on his jump shot too much. I mean, he's another guy with all the talent in the world, but, you know, you'll get 30 and 9 from him one night and you'll get 15 and 5 from the next night. And it's like, just be consistent, man. RJ Barrett's taking a step forward. Jalen Brunson is the best player on that team. You also have Josh Hart, who's a really scrappy player. You have um, Emmanuel Quickly, who's, you know, a very good, you know, instant offense guy off the bench. And they have some pieces. Quentin Grimes, really good defender. They have some pieces on that team. But, you know, even Quentin Grimes isn't really happy with his role right now. It seems like a recurring theme in the NBA right now. The Knicks, I don't think, are going to be too much of a threat come playoff time, but you never know. Number seven, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, another year of experience for Evan Mobley. I really like Evan Mobley. Obviously, they have Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. Um, Garland was hurt for a little bit. Donovan Mitchell, to me, I don't know why, but I just feel like he can never take that step to superstardom. There are nights when he disappears too. And as a superstar in the NBA, I just feel like he doesn't elevate his teammates the way that actual superstars do, like a Joker or, you know, even a PG when you saw that Kawhi was out in the playoffs against the Suns. Like the ability to elevate your teammates, I don't see that in Donovan Mitchell. I think he's a really good scorer. I think he's a very athletic and just quick twitch guy. I do agree with that, but uh, I I just don't really see him as a guy that could elevate this Cleveland team over anybody in the playoffs if they were to make the playoffs. Cleveland should be way better than they are, but they're just not. They're just not very good right now. They added Max Struess. Max Struess is kind of showing he had a lot more game than how he was being used in Miami, which is interesting. I'm kind of surprised that some of the things he's doing, posterizing people, chase down blocks and all sorts of things. We knew he was a good shooter, but overall Cleveland, eh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of out on the Cleveland Cavaliers right now. Okay, next up, um, and by the way, they're 13 and 10 in the seventh spot. In the eighth spot, we have the Miami Heat. Not much of a surprise here. They're going to kind of sleepwalk through the regular season, you know, and Jimmy Butler just seems like he can't put an 82-game season together where he is that alpha. I, you know, I'm sorry. You can call Jimmy Butler a top-10 player in the league all you want to because of what he does in the postseason, 
But if he's not going to do that during a regular season and get you a better seed, you know, injuries have been very kind to the Heat in the playoffs where they can kind of take advantage of their chip on their shoulder that they had because everybody pretty much says, you know, they have no chance in a given series. And I think at this point with how good the Eastern Conference is getting, they're not going to be able to do that this year. They may either miss the playoffs or be a first-round exit if they get in. I do like Hawkes. Hawkes is a really good rookie, really great footwork, man, elite footwork. He had elite footwork in college. It hasn't changed in the NBA. Elite footwork. Um, They have some pieces, but, I mean, overall, Miami's another team that just sleepwalks through the regular season, and I guess we'll figure it out in the playoffs, and I don't think that's going to work this year. On the outside, looking in right now, the Brooklyn Nets are 12-10. and 10. We'll see what happens when Ben Simmons gets healthy. I don't know what's going on with his back. There seems to be a major issue there. Um, Even if he does come back, I don't know how good Brooklyn can really be compared to the you know, top teams in the Eastern Conference. I don't know if they can even really put a scare into the top teams in the Eastern Conference. I mean, Cam Johnson is a really good defender, really good spot-up shooter, can get his offense every now and then. Mikel Bridges is a star, not a superstar quite yet, but a very good player. We never really knew how good he was until he got on Brooklyn and got his own team. Cam Thomas, instant offense, but another feast of famine guy. You know, give you 25, 30 one night, about nine the next night. Inconsistent minutes. And inconsistent play. Um, in the 10 spot, you have the Atlanta Hawks. Atlanta Hawks are another team. This is a common theme in the Eastern Conference. Underperforming teams. I mean, if you want to talk about the disappointments, you know, uh, the Atlanta Hawks would be on that list. The Miami Heat would be on that list of teams that just dog it on certain nights. And then, you know, you forget the potential that they have and they come out and they compete against a team like the Bucks. They blow out a team like the Bucks because... You know, on certain nights, they seem motivated to play, and on other nights, they just aren't. Trey Young is, in my opinion, I would call him a superstar come playoff time, but it's another situation in which the regular season tells the true story of teams sometimes and their habits. And Atlanta is a team that has bad habits, and Quinn Snyder is a really good coach, and DeJounte Murray is a really good talent, but he's another guy that doesn't bring it every night. And they're just another example of... Young stars on a team, it seems like they just can't put together that effort night in, night out when they need to beat the teams that they should beat down. They get themselves into these tight games in the fourth quarter, and, you know, it's it can go either way. And then you find yourself in the 10 spot like they are. Um, The Toronto Raptors just don't really have enough talent. Um, Right now they are 9-14. Um, the Hawks are nine and thirteen. Raptors are nine and fourteen. Scotty Barnes is a really good player. Pascal Siakam, I don't know. They might try to deal him at the trade deadline. I don't really know. I think he's kind of, I won't say overstayed his welcome in Toronto, but they're probably going to try to move him to a contender. Scotty Barnes is going to be the obvious best player on that team and a superstar going forward. I think he does have superstar potential. Dude has it all. Great defender. Can bring the ball up and down the court. Initiate the offense get offense for himself. He can pass really well. Really like Scotty Barnes. Um, in the 12 spot, 9 and 15, you have the Chicago Bulls. Another huge disappointment. Um, I know Lonzo is out with his knee issues. Hopefully he recovers and comes back because he's a really good talent. I mean, just really good 
quintessential point guard. He became a really good shooter in the NBA for that little bit of time that he was healthy. Um, but, you know, Zach Levine wants out. There's a lot of issues. There were issues last year with him and Billy Donovan. I don't quite know what's going on with that. You know, now he's injured. I don't know if he's really hurt where he can't play or he's just like, fuck it. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, they're trying to get him to sign a contract extension. I don't know if they're going to be able to get him to agree to that. So Levine and DeRozan are two people at the deadline that they might be looking to move. If they're going to blow it up, then Vucevic becomes available, I'm sure. Uh, the Bulls are just a mess right now. Uh, next is the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, LaMelo Ball is hurt. That's about all I'm going to say about that because there's nothing really else to talk about. The head of the snake is hurt. And, um, you know, they have a long way to go. They need some pieces. And I don't really like the dynamic of their team anyway with Rozier at the two and, and LaMelo at the one. So, uh, to be continued with that. In the 14th spot, oh, and they're 7 and 14, by the way. In the 14th spot, yikes. 3 and 19. The Washington Wizards. Jordan Poole got his own team. He got what he wanted. He has not performed well. Kyle Kuzma's played pretty good this year. We already knew the Wizards didn't have enough to compete, but Jordan Poole was a huge disappointment this year. Um, you know, you, you'd at least expect him to be putting up, you know, 25, 26 points per game. Right now, he just hasn't performed very well. I don't know how the chemistry is. We've seen a couple of, you know, bench interactions between him and his teammates it's clear they don't like his shot selection it's clear they don't like some of his other decision making on the court and they're just a really bad team they're probably going to be a lottery team easily and i'm talking like top of the lottery like three or four the last team in the east is detroit pistons they are the worst team in the league it's not really a surprise um they're really bad they're gonna lose 60 65 games they're that bad uh Cade cunningham is a great talent uh, Jaden Ivey is a head case. Jalen Duran is a great talent. Killing Hayes is kind of starting to find his way. Um, get back to me in about three or four years, and we'll see exactly how the Pistons are. They signed one of the Thompson twins. I forget it was uh, a sore amen, but um, he's really good. But you know they're just a really bad team right now. So get back to me in three or four years. On to the Western Conference. This will be a shocker. In the number one spot right now, as it stands, we are in December, December 12th. The Minnesota Timberwolves are the number one seed in the Western Conference, 17-5. and five. That's interesting. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the... Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the... The, um, you know, the Twin Towers with Gobert and... Carl Anthony Towns, I just feel come playoff time, that is going to bite them in the ass when it comes to teams that can really match up hunt, guards that can take advantage of that. I just don't see how that really will fit into a playoff series um, as far as defending certain teams, especially in the Western Conference. Um, but right now, they're off to a pretty good start. You know, the West is pretty injury-riddled. Denver, Phoenix. Um, but... You know, Anthony Edwards is playing really well. He's taking a step up to that superstar echelon almost, but he got hurt, and I hope he recovers soon because uh, he missed last night's game. He's missed a couple other games. Carl Anthony Towns playing pretty steady this year. Um, he's another guy you want to put together an 82-game season of that or however many games he plays, 70-75. Um, 
We'll see. I don't think that holds them having the number one seed, but they're playing good basketball right now. Number two, the Oklahoma City Thunder are 15-7. and seven. They have a lot of talent. Say what you want about Josh Giddy. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to speculate. This isn't that type of podcast. Uh, but Josh Giddy's a really skilled player on the court, really smart player, really crafty player. Shy Gilgis Alexander or Shea. I forget how you pronounce it, Shea or Shy. Uh, Shay Gilgis Alexander, I believe it is. He is just, he's just a handful on, on defense. He has so many counter moves. He's crafty finishing around the basket. He has that little step back mid range jump shot. That is pretty much unguardable that behind the back move where he pulls that out right when you cut him off. I mean, the dude is just smooth. Chet Holmgren um, counts as a rookie this year, missed all last season after getting hurt in a uh, pickup game. Unfortunately, had a Liz Frank uh, fracture. He is back, looking really good. Um, wish he got more touches to see exactly, you know, what his numbers would look like as the actual second man on that team, or second best player on that team, but they have a lot of talent. They can defend really well. They're versatile. They can switch. Um, a lot of matchups, and I think that's going to be, you know, Lou Dortz is one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. Um, They're really going to be interesting come playoff time. No doubt they'll be in the playoffs. I don't know if they'll be the number two seed. A lot of these seeds are not going to hold right now in the Western Conference, but they will be in the playoffs, and they're going to be a tough out for sure. Number three, we have the Dallas Mavericks. I love this. I remember so many people talking about Luka and Kyrie can't play together, yada, yada, yada. They've been playing some really good basketball. Kyrie got hurt. I hope he's not going to be out for too long because him and him and Luka, man, there's two really smart basketball players. They got Tim Hardaway back healthy. They have, you know, uh, Dwight Powell, I believe, is back healthy. They have a really good squad, man, and they're going to be a tough out in the West, too. I think the only issue with them is just, you know, Dallas is a team that plays kind of fast, and when their shots aren't falling, they kind of do rely on a lot of threes. But when their shots aren't falling, it can get kind of ugly because of the fact that they're so perimeter-based. But I think in the, you know, Western Conference, you can find them around the sixth or the seventh seed. They're definitely not going to be in a play-in, I don't think. Um... Really good team. I like how they're playing early in the season. They're feasting on those really bad matchups. They've beaten a couple of really good teams and only beat the Lakers. I, I, I like them. Um, the Denver Nuggets are the defending NBA champions. They right now are 15-9. and nine. They're struggling a bit with injuries. I don't want to talk too much about them. It's kind of hard to assess them right now. Jamal Murray's just starting to ease into things, but I think they'll be okay. Not sure they'll repeat. Actually, would probably bet against them repeating, but... They will be able to at least make it out of the first round, I would say. But this Western Conference isn't quite the injury riddled Western Conference that it was last year. So I'm not sure how effective Denver will be come playoff time. But we do know that Joker does elevate his play come playoff time. So the jury is still out on that. Number five, the Sacramento Kings. They are, as it stands today, 13-8. and eight. They are a really scary team come playoff time. I can't believe they collapsed the way they did against the Stephen Curry-led uh, Golden State Warriors last season in Game 7. I just can't believe the way they collapsed. He basically just destroyed them all by himself with that 50 bomb. But, you know, they're a really tough team, man. They they play pretty good defense when they want to. Mike Brown's a really good defensive coach. Uh, he's a player's coach. 
And, um, you know, it seems like they'd run through a wall for him. De'Aaron Fox, really good player, budding star. Sabonis, really good player, versatile player. Um, great rebounder, pretty good post defender. Uh, could be better, could be a bit stronger in the post, but really good passer. Um, Malik Monk, instant offense. They have pretty much everything they need. I think rim protection would be their only real liability, but... I really like the Sacramento Kings roster. Uh, next up, number six, we have the Los Angeles Lakers at 14-9. and nine. Look, I like what they did in the offseason, going and getting Jackson Hayes, getting Cam Reddish, going and getting uh, Christian Wood. All guys, once again, have a chip on their shoulder and something to prove. I really do like this team right now. Austin Reeves has been playing pretty steady. D'Angelo Russell has been playing much better this year. LeBron James, of course, year 21, nothing new. Dude is playing fucking out of his mind. A bit too many minutes. Hopefully they can stabilize these rotations, get them a bit less minutes so we can be, you know, as effective as they need them to be down the stretch. Anthony Davis, keep putting those consistent performances together on a night-in, night-out basis. The Lakers will be just fine. Um, in the number seven spot, we have the Houston Rockets at 11-9. and nine. This is a very pleasant surprise to some people. To me, I'm not really surprised. Ime Doka is one of the best coaches in the league. They have a lot of young talent on that team. They have Dylan Brooks, who was a dog, who was just a tough, you know, rough and tumble player. They have Fred Van Fleet, who's a great point guard. Um, I really like some of the things they've done. Alperin Sagoon, one of my favorite players in the entire league. The dude is so crafty, great defender. I remember watching him when they were really bad. Even last year, for example, he was always the one to get back on defense when nobody else would, to challenge somebody at the rim when nobody else was willing to, to close out to a shooter when nobody else is willing to. He's the guy that goes the extra length to make those hustle plays and is also arguably the best player on the team. Love that roster. Number eight, we have the Los Angeles Clippers. I did mention before the James Harden trade. Um, they're starting to ease into things. They're starting to play a bit better. I know Westbrook moved to the bench, which kind of helped things rotation-wise. It still seems like Bones Highland is out of the rotation. They're going to have to shore that rotation up to get some depth come playoff time. But I do like what I'm seeing from the Clippers as of late. James Harden, we'll see how long they can keep that ego and his fucking attitude in check. But as of right now, the Clippers are seeming to stabilize, so that's good for them. Number nine, the Phoenix Suns. Hard to assess them because, you know, like we talked about, so many injuries. Um, Bradley Beal has played, like, what, one game? I think he's set to come back tonight as it stands. Um, hopefully he can, you know, get healthy and consistently healthy and stay on the court so we can really see what this Phoenix team is going to look like come playoff time. They're obviously going to make a run. They have too much talent not to. Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, they'll be fine. Number 10, the Pelicans. There's been so much discussion about Zion's weight. And look, I agree. I don't think he looks like the shape he was in, you know, even last, I think like, you know, during the photo shoot, for last offseason, he looked like he was in tremendous shape. I don't know what's going on there. I really don't. I don't want to speculate. I don't know what's going on. I hope they get it figured out. Zion is a generational talent. Brandon Ings is a really good player. CJ McCollum's always been a steady, pretty good player. I I don't know what's going on right now with Zion's weight, but he needs to get it together. And it's not even that he's not playing well because he is, but... Seems like night in, night out, he can't really do it. He, he needs to drop, in my opinion, about 15, 20 pounds. He just does. He, 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 
He's in shape for normal human beings. He's not in shape for a guy that needs to be the best player on the team, in my opinion. He's still putting up stats, which just shows what a fucking freak of nature he is, but he could be in much better shape. I do agree with that. I'm not going to go as far as all these other idiots like Stephen A. Smith and other people, but he does need to get in shape if the Pelicans are ever going to reach their full potential. Now, I would say that a bit of a disappointment is this next team at number 11, the Golden State Warriors at 10 and 12. Stephen Curry has had to carry such a heavy heavy load. I mean, Clay Thompson's playing for a contract. Seems like he knows they're not going to offer him that extension that he wants. Um, I think he needs a change of scenery and the Chris Paul trade was working out. He got hurt. Um, they did get a bit slower, obviously defensively, but they got smarter offensively. They got smarter defensively individually, not so much, but I mean, you know, they also have an issue with depth and that's what happens when you buy into Let's get the band back together or keep the band together, I should say. Draymond, Clay, Steph, we want them all here. Okay, well, Jordan Poole's gone, so you can't blame him anymore. Why are these young guys not playing up to their potential? Because they haven't been depended on in the past to do so. They had no time to grow as players. They haven't played significant minutes. Wiggins is starting to play better, but Kaminga, Moses Moody. Moses Moody's playing pretty well, but inconsistent minutes once again. So... They need to figure that out. I think this dynasty is over. I think it was over last year. And, you know, I'm not going to say blow it up, but, you know, Clay's obviously gone after the season if they don't offer him the money for this last contract he's going to take on. Um, you know, he's probably gone. So then you have to question what's going to happen with Draymond and so on and so forth. Um, Number 11, I mean, from here it gets kind of shitty in the Western Conference. I mean, Utah Jazz 7-16, they're a really bad team. Nothing to even talk about there. Now, the one I will talk about is number 13, the Memphis Grizzlies. They are currently 6-16. Six and 16. Everybody knows, well-documented, unless you've been living under a rock, John Morant has not played yet this season. He is four games away from returning. It is going to be very interesting because they do have a lot of good pieces. They have Desmond Bain. They have Marcus Smart, who eventually will come back from injury. They have Jaron Jackson, reigning defensive player of the year. If you add John Morant to that team, no, Steven Adams is not healthy. I think he's out for a season. But this is a team that could go on a run. John Morant is a superstar. He is a guy that elevates his teammates. That could be very, very interesting. I don't know exactly who they bump out. In that top 10, top 8, you know, when you talk about the plan, I don't know. But the Memphis Grizzlies are going to go on the run. They are going to be competitive for a playoff spot come May, April. They're going to be. They just are. John Moran is that fucking good. Um, So that's the standings. I mean, if we want to talk a little bit about, you know, the MVP rankings, look. Jason Tatum is playing pretty well right now, and they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. What usually happens is if you have a guy that's playing pretty well, having a career year, and he is on the best team record-wise in his conference, he usually wins MVP. Now, you know, he's first on my list right now. Luka was playing really well. Um, Luka's up there, and Bead is really steady, but he might kind of fall into the the mix of players where their teams aren't quite good enough unless he puts up some major, major numbers, like in the second half of the season, like some 40 pieces, some 50 pieces, you know, it's going to be tough. I think as long as the Celtics stay steady, this might be a Jason Tatum MVP season. That's really what it's looking like. We have to see exactly how far the Lakers elevate in the standings. That should be interesting because, of course, you know, you have those story LeBron James, year 21. Um... 
that could be interesting. If the Nuggets get going, of course you have to have Joker in that conversation. But I think that's really that's really the list right there. Tatum, LeBron on the outside looking in, Joker if they get it together, Embiid depending on how they finish. I guess you could throw Giannis in there depending on how they finish, but it seems like a Jason Tatum year for an MVP. Um, surprises and disappointment. Surprises. I got to talk about the Orlando Magic, my my league pass team. I love them. Good young squad, man. Jalen Suggs, Paolo Bencaro as their best player. Wendell Carter's hurt right now, but he's a really good big. Uh, Franz Wagner, Mo Wagner off the bench. Cole Anthony, I love that squad. They're learning how to win games. They will be in the playoffs this year, mark my words, and I, I don't think it's going to be an easy out. Um, other surprises, I mean, OKC's really good. You know, I don't. I, I wouldn't even say I'm really surprised. But they're really good. Second in the Western Conference right now. I don't know if that holds, but they're really fucking good, man. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs as like a fifth seed probably. And they're going to give people some problems. And I can't wait to see it because you need new blood. You need new teams and new stars in the playoffs on that, you know, on that stage to make a name for themselves. Disappointments, as I mentioned, the Warriors... Um, the Heat have taken a step back. Uh, the Clippers, but they're kind of starting to stabilize, so I'll give that some time. Those are probably the main disappointments, I would say. Um, everything else is kind of as expected, you know, the Suns injury problems, Denver injury problems, uh, Bucks, you know, chemistry problems, so you can't really assess them just yet, probably give it a couple months. Right around the All-Star break, you can kind of assess those teams once they get, you know, healthy. Um, And the Bulls. The Bulls are definitely a disappointment. Um, They're a team that should always be in the thick of things for the playoffs. And right now, it's looking like they're going to be moving a couple of major pieces at the deadline. At least one. Moving on from the NBA, I do want to talk about the NFL. Man, oh man, the NFL, man. That is a league that evolves week to week. I mean, literally, a team looks like they're going to run away with their division. They're going to run away with home field advantage. And there are a lot of games right now between marquee teams that are exposing some guys, exposing some teams. Uh, You know, last night we had Miami get upset by... The Titans, it's, you know, as they say in any given Sunday league, I have another theory for that that I'll save for another day, but a lot of crazy shit happened in the NFL. Let's get to the standings, shall we? We have the Miami Dolphins at 9-4. and four. Um, High-powered offense, we already know that. Tyreek Hill, probably the best receiver in the league. Tua, one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league, has definitely taken a step forward. Glad to see him healthy. The Bills, 7-6. and six, So many bad losses they've had. I mean, God, just... Josh Allen, some terrible turnovers. Leads the league in picks, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't know if I can trust the Bills come playoff time. I really don't. They abandon the run a bit too much sometimes for my liking. Defensively, they've taken a step back this year. I think one of the major defenders are hurt. Uh, either Justin Poirier or Micah Hyde. One of them, I, I'm pretty sure, is hurt. But still, I, the, the Bills are a team that's very sketchy to me right now. I thought for sure they would be 
competing for home field advantage right now, which I guess they technically could, but they're going to have to go on a bit of a run. The Jets, obviously, Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Um, he There were talks of him coming back. Now, look, I anything's possible. If Zach Wilson can go on a run this next couple weeks, I guess maybe A-Rod will have a reason to come back, but uh, I don't see it. That's like an outside chance of that happening. The Jets will come back next year, hopefully, with a retooled line. Aaron Rodgers healthy. They have some targets. They have some running backs. And I feel like they might be able to compete for a Super Bowl next year. But this year is just not in the cards. The Patriots, I take no joy in saying this as far as the fans. Oh, no, fuck some of them fans. Uh, As far as the players, but God, this team is ass. Can we please get Bill Belichick the fuck out of here, please? Yes, I'm from Boston. Belichick has long been overdue to get shit canned at the very least as a GM. Get him the fuck out of here. I'm not even going to go on a rant about what a mess this fucking team is. He ruined his quarterback's confidence, both of them, last year when he benched both of them in the same game against the Bears on national TV. Get him the fuck out of here. Bailey Zappi's playing really well right now. The same guy that got cut in preseason. Go figure. Um, Bill Belichick, the fucking genius, couldn't see that Bailey was maybe the guy to go to late last year before he decided to fucking throw Mac Jones back in. It's just a complete fucking mess. Get him out of here. All right, moving on. AFC West, the Chiefs. Boy, I this Chiefs offense is unrecognizable. Drop passes, lack of separation, mental mistakes, bad play calling, Eric Bieniemy being gone does affect some of that, but not all of that. This does not look like a team that just won the Super Bowl. Defensively, they're pretty fucking good. Offensively, they're lost. Um, Unrecognizable. You see Pat Mahomes is frustrated, very frustrated. Took it out on the refs um, at the end of that game against the Bills. I mean, man, it is just really, it might be time to hit the panic button in Kansas City. I don't think it's too early to say that. It might be time to hit the panic button. This is a team that has not played a road playoff game in the Pat Mahomes era. Just think about that. They're going to play one this year. Guarantee you that. Denver Broncos, seven and six. Um, retooled offense. I give Sean Payton credit for that. Everybody thought Russell Wilson couldn't play anymore. You know, it's not the case. Rumors of his demise were greatly exaggerated. Still, don't think they have enough pieces really to be the high-powered offense of say like a. You know, Los Angeles Chargers, even though their play calling is complete shit, too. Um, But, you know, as far as the offensive teams in the West, they're clearly third. They're safely third, even with the Chiefs' offensive problems. Um, You know, I don't think they make the playoffs, but anything can happen. I don't think they make any noise in the playoffs for sure. Defensively, they still have a lot of things to shore up. They're playing much better than, you know, giving up fucking 70 points way back when. But, you know, Denver's just kind of one of those fair to middling teams. The Chargers, we can talk about it right now. Disappointment. Every fucking year. Oh, and by the way, Justin Herbert out for the season. Four more games left. Outside looking in the playoff race. Justin Herbert, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and call it empty stats, you can call it whatever the fuck you want to. He 
and his team are going to miss the playoffs. Again, something needs to be done. Brandon Staley's days are numbered. He's fucking gone after the season. Trust me. Um, The Raiders, Josh McDaniels, can't hack it as a head coach. I mean, we saw that, right? So now they replaced him with Antonio Pierce. And you kind of realize that even with Antonio Pierce, they just don't have enough pieces. Devontae Adams, in my opinion, will be a New York Jet next year. Um, He's made it clear on several occasions, regardless of whether he's tried to make it clear or not. He pretty much came there to play with Derek Carr. Derek Carr's not there. So, yeah. Josh Jacobs' contract year, he got his money with a bunch of bullshit incentives, which he's not going to reach. And, you know, going to have a disgruntled Josh Jacobs. Um, Yeah, man. Uh, There are a lot of teams in the situation right now where they just don't have enough pieces because other teams and other conferences or other conferences, other divisions are so much better, so much more complete. And, you know, the Raiders are just another example. The Ravens, oh, my God, pleasant surprise, man. Even with J.K. Dobbins hurt, pleasant surprise. Lamar Jackson playing out of his fucking mind. OBJ starting to catch his stride. I love it. Their defense is really good. They have a chance to be the number one seed in the playoffs. As it stands right now, they are in the lead. I love it. The Lamar Jackson haters are starting to run out of fucking excuses. I love it. The Browns, 8-5. and five. Man. I, Joe Flacco, man, Joe Flacco looks fucking great out there. He's always had a really fucking powerful arm, right? We know that. That's, that's what he was known for. Throws a beautiful deep ball. We know that. Pocket presence. He's been playing long enough in the league. Definitely knows when to escape, get out of the pocket, can deliver the ball right on target. They still have that damn good defense on the other side. I fuck with the Browns. I think they'll upset somebody in the first round. I really like the Browns. Next, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers. What a putrid fucking offense. Good God. If Mike Tomlin finds a way to make it out of this season with another winning record, I just don't even know what to say anymore. (laughs) I don't know what to say anymore. This offense is abysmal. Some of the blame can be put on Kenny Pickett. Some of the blame can be put on the offensive coordinator. Some of the blame can be put on their lack of, you know, weapons, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know. I There are some teams this year. I did not expect there to be so many bad teams in the NFL this year. I don't think it's parody. It's bad football. Um. So, yeah, the Steelers, 7-6. The Bengals, man, what a disaster. What a disaster. This is a team that's supposed to be competing for a Super Bowl. Joe Burrow gets hurt, hurts his calf in the offseason. Or in training camp, I'm sorry. And then, you know, fuck. Hurts his hand, out for the season. They started off slow. The Bengals kind of always start off slow. You expected him to get going. He gets hurt. One of my favorite quarterbacks, one of my favorite players. Really one of my favorite people um, in the NFL. It sucks, man. It really does. Um, I like the Bengals, man. And, yeah. They just, they're, you know, Browning, Browning is interesting. Um, Obviously, he's going to have to go somewhere else to really show what he can do because that is Joe Burrow's team. But 
he hasn't played bad. He hasn't played bad. But, you know, the Bengals are not going to make playoffs. Um, You know, they have an outside chance. I just don't see it. AFC South. Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Trevor Lawrence got hurt. They didn't have a cart available for him, so he had to go and say that he wanted to walk that uh, length of a football field, plus to the locker room. I don't buy it. You know, maybe Tony Khan used uh, one too many fucking carts for his dumbass stadium stampede match. Anyway, we'll get to that later. Um, You know, they have a really good running back in Travis at the end. They obviously have a franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Jacksonville will probably have a home game for the playoffs unless the Texans go on a little bit of a run here. I mean, they are only one game back, and the Colts are only one game back, which is amazing. Gets to them in a second. Um, this is a dogfight in this division right now. It's a three-team race. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, if Trevor Lawrence re-aggravates that injury. Hopefully he doesn't. He did play this past weekend, so we'll see, man. Um, I, I like this division. Uh, I wish Anthony Richardson didn't get hurt. We'd really see the full potential of this Colts team. And uh, as we're talking about the Colts, the Colts are 7-6 and six right now, right behind the Jaguars, one game back. Um, Gardner Minshew has been playing pretty steady. He's always a guy that seems kind of like a Ryan Fitzpatrick. If he gets a chance to come in for the starter, he's going to fucking take that job and run with it and make it perhaps a difficult decision, not in this situation with Anthony Richardson, you spend number one pick on him, but, you know, make it difficult to uh, decide between quarterbacks because he usually plays pretty well in these situations. And this is no exception. Um, the Texans, 7-6, and six, is another surprise, pleasant surprise. C.J. Stroud, man, that kid is so good. He's so cool under pressure. Um, they had a nightmare of a day against the uh, against the Jets, but, you know, those weeks happen. Um, Jets' defense is really good. He's a rookie quarterback. He's going to have ups and downs. I think that's one of the things we do with rookie quarterbacks, that they play well for a string of time. We start to, you know, kind of assess them like they're veteran quarterbacks, even though they're not. C.J. Stroud will be fine. He's going to be a superstar in this league. Last but not least, the Tennessee Titans, who yesterday defend, uh, I'm sorry, upset the Miami Dolphins on Monday Night Football uh, uh, that team's uh, that team is a mixed bag of like talent and fucking just dog shit at certain positions. Hopkins has proven he can still play. Levis has pretty much taken that job, and you know he's he's gonna keep that job. He's the solidified starter on that team, but they need some targets, man, and. Man, I <laughs> I would have loved to see Derrick Henry get traded at the deadline to see him go to a contender because I don't see any future in this Titans team. On to the NFC. This is where shit gets good. The NFC East. Boy, oh boy, man. I, I love this. The Dallas Cow Cowboys just blew out the Philadelphia Eagles Sunday Night Football. And God... They look fucking good, man. Defensively, lockdown. They got one of the best pass rushers in the league. 
Stephon Gilmore could still ball his ass out. Deron Bland, most pick sixes in the history. Single single games, uh, single season. God, I can't talk. Um, Dak Prescott playing steady. They still need to get that run game going a bit more. But fuck, this Cowboys team is scary. The Eagles are right behind them. They have some issues. Um, we all know Jalen Hurts is playing hurt. No pun intended. Um, he's been banged up for a while. They're kind of, I don't know, having a bit of a Super Bowl hangover season without winning, but just, you know, Super Bowl runner-ups. Um, there were some egos coming into play, even though A.J. Brown claims that wasn't the case. I know it was. Come on, let's be honest. Every receiver wants the ball. But they're having some play-calling issues. They're having some decision-making issues at the end of games. Um, it'll be interesting. The Eagles still have one of the best lines in the league on both sides of the field. So, can't count them out. But, you know, the Cowboys got the best of them in that matchup. Uh, and they are tied right now in the division. 10-3. and three. So, the Giants, Daniel Jones got hurt. That was pretty much all she wrote as far as I was concerned. Tommy DeVito, everybody's favorite backup quarterback, has been playing okay, but nothing to see here with the Giants. They're not going to compete for anything. Commanders, complete dumpster juice. We're just going to move on. Ain't nothing to talk about there. The Niners, my pick to make it to the Super Bowl this year. They have everything. They added Chase Young to their fucking defensive line that already had Dick Bosa on the opposite side. It is a scary situation if you have to block for your fucking quarterback that day. Um, Christian McCaffrey, probably the most complete skill position player in the league, running, catching. Fuck, if they wanted to, they could put him back there to return punts. I know he did it in college and, and kickoffs. The dude is amazing. Brock Purdy, so fucking cool under pressure, delivers the ball on target every time, can make, you know, throws with pressure in his face. It's, it's amazing. The kid is so fucking good. People continue to try to detract from him. It's fine. He'll just go out and keep winning games. The Rams are 6-7. and seven. Injuries, 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 and um, injuries. Uh, Matt Stafford was hurt for a little bit. Cooper Cup was hurt for a little bit. Puka Nakua, great rookie, putting up gaudy fucking stats. Um, no run game really to speak of, unfortunately. Um, the Rams aren't really going to compete for anything this year either, so no point in really spending much time on them. The Seahawks have taken a bit of a step back this year. They are 6-7. and seven. Uh, Gino got hurt. Drew Locke played this past weekend and, uh, they lost to the, what am I talking about? Yeah. Seahawks played last Thursday. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They played last Sunday. Uh, they lost to the C, uh, the San Francisco 49ers 28 to 16 with Drew Locke starting. And, yeah, man, it's just, they're in in a division where you just know, like, the Niners are the team to beat, right? It's kind of like being in the same division as the Patriots back in the Brady days. And with how stacked the NFC is, I don't think they even find their way to get a wild card spot right now. Um, The Cardinals are a dumpster fire. They're 3-10. Next. The Lions, man, I want to be all in on the Lions. I so want to be in all in on the Lions, but the egg that they laid on Thanksgiving just gives me reason to pause, man. 
It really does. I love the Lions as a team at every position, but it's just like, ugh. Right when you want to be all in, they just fucking kick you in the nuts. We'll see if they can put together a run. They're going to have a home playoff game in the playoffs, so that should be interesting. Um, We'll see, man. We'll see. They could they could find their way in an NFC Championship game, or they can find their way home after the first week of the playoffs. That's kind of how I feel. The Vikings, Kirk Cousins got hurt. Um, Joshua Dobbs was a great story, but that's pretty much. I, I don't I don't see I don't see Minnesota making much noise in the playoffs. They might make the playoffs. I mean, right now you got the Eagles that are gonna make it, and a bunch of six six and seven teams. Really a mixed bag. The Packers are six and seven too. The you know the Vikings are seven and six, so they'll probably make it. But I don't see them making any noise. The Packers are six and seven. Um, it's kind of the same thing. You got these teams that are you know hanging around five hundred, but they just don't have enough pieces to make any noise in the playoffs. It's just it's a very top heavy NFC, you know NFC. But those you know those teams at the top are fucking dominant, man. The Bears, look, I Justin Fields is so talented, man. I don't know what they need to do to stabilize that situation there, but they should be much better than they are. They can go into that disappointments, uh, disappointments, um, category. Do I need to talk about the NFC South at all? Really? Three-way tie, six and seven. Buccaneers, Falcons, and Saints. The Panthers are 1-12. Mark my words. Whoever hosts the the, um, the postseason game, whoever hosts the uh, wildcard game for that division is losing. That's all I'm going to say. MVP conversation. Let's just move on. Good God. Um, Is it not between Dak and... Brock Purdy right now? Am I wrong? It's pretty much those two, right? Is there anybody else? After, okay, after the Texans' performance last night against the Jets, right? If you had C.J. Stroud in that conversation. This is a week-to-week conversation, right? If you had Tua in that conversation after last night. Gotta be Brock Purdy and Dak, right? They're neck and neck. I don't know who to pick. But it's got to be between those two. It's been a down. It's been a down year for quarterback numbers, anyway. It's been a down year for stats in general, kind of. Um. But for me, it's got to be Dak and, and Brock Purdy, right? You pick. I don't. I don't care which one you take, man. I'm good with either one, for MVP. But I think the I think the 49ers end the season with a better record and home field advantage throughout. And I think Brock Purdy gets it. That's what I see happening. Um, surprises. The Texans, up till yesterday, were a pleasant surprise. Um, D'Amico Ryans has proven himself to be a very competent head coach in this league in his first year. CJ Stroud is going to be a superstar. Pleasant surprise. 
Outside of that, I mean, it's funny. There's not really many pleasant surprises. It seems like business as usual. I guess you could say the Cowboys being in the running to win the division is a bit of a surprise. And the Ravens being so dominant, 10-3. and three. Lamar Jackson just goes out there and wins, man. I think he has the highest win percentage. Definitely one of the highest winning percentages for quarterbacks since he's been in the league. So that's a pleasant surprise. Disappointments, you name it, bro. I mean, Bills, Bengals for injury you know, purposes. Uh, the Colts were supposed to be competing for that division, but Anthony Richardson got hurt. Chargers are fucking trash, and Justin Herbert's off of the season. That's a disappointment. They're supposed to be competing for the division. The Bills were technically supposed to be running away with that division, even though you know people had the Jets in the conversation. The Bills have not played good football certain weeks. So those are the major disappointments to me. All right. Things on my mind. Things on my mind. Where have I been? I know a lot of you wondering where I've been. I've been working, man. I've been working hard on this this project, this music project. I've been working hard on trying to get these um, these songs cleared to be released for singles and as singles and there's a lot that goes into it. I don't want to get too deep into the weeds, but there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things I'm doing to try to position myself better for everything coming up in my career. Pretty much is the best way I can put it. I have been watching sports. I have been playing video games a little bit, but it's been mostly work. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I'm busy yet something that I want to be my career in my life, which is music. So I can't be too mad about it. Um, but that's where I've been. I've been betting on sports. Lord, is that stressful? Um, man, I can't tell you, I swear for the last 21, 22 days, all of my parlays have missed by one pick something yards for a certain player, points for a certain player, points for a certain team. Every single parlay I've had for the past like 21, 22 days consecutively has been lost by one pick of something. It's frustrating. If this was how I made money, this is my only income, I would be stressing the fuck out. I don't know how people do that. Um... You know, you try to pick logical things. You try to go out of your way to undershoot the person's average. If you're doing player props. If you are doing, um, you know, when I, when I see big, when I see big spread, I don't want to get too much into the, you know, I know some of you don't bet on sports. Maybe a lot of you don't bet on sports, but. You know, when I see big spreads like yesterday, like I think Miami was favored by 14 and a half, it's just like you got to wonder, right? I mean, it's already been proven that in the past, if not still, these leagues dictate the outcomes of games. And when you see a spread like 14 and you see the fact that it's Monday Night Football, you have to pause and think for a second. And the Dolphins lost that game. So that's what goes into betting, right? You have to use your football acumen, your basketball acumen, whatever, but you also have to use your brain just as far as, like, what does the NFL or the NBA get out of this team losing this game? It's unfortunate that you have to think like that. You should just be able to think practically. 
and sports IQ wise, but you can't. So that's a frustrating part of betting. Uh, what else have I been doing? Um, saw the GCA six announcement, man, am I excited? That is my favorite franchise outside of sports games is Grand Theft Auto. Um, a lot of hoopla around there being a female protagonist. I don't get it. I I'm fine with it. It's a GTA game. I'm gonna drive around and do the same bullshit I do if it was <laughs> if it was a male protagonist. It doesn't really matter to me. The story is pretty intriguing. We'll find out more about that, of course, closer to release. I know they said 2025. I don't know exactly when. I guess Q 2025, Q 1 2025. I should say, um, before the trailer even came out. It's a long way away, but, you know, time kind of flies, so that's fine. But I'm really amped up, man, they're back in Vice City. Um, I hope they fix the driving physics, man, because GTA V's driving physics were ass. There's a lot of details that were kind of lacking in GTA V compared to GTA IV. I tell people all the time I think GTA IV is a better game gameplay-wise. They won't listen. It's fine, but... I'm sorry, those gameplay mechanics in GTA 4 were foolproof, man. Everything from the ragdoll physics to the driving physics to just the fact that you could do other things as far as some of the, um, you know, parkour or just the traversing of environments. Um, It was better in GTA 4. Fuck, the radio stations are better in GTA 4. Um, But yeah, I'm definitely excited for GTA 6 when it does come out. Hopefully no delays or anything crazy like that. Another thing on my mind was... um. This Devin Haney fight. Devin Haney's so fucking good, bro. He's so good. Like, he reminds me of Floyd Mayweather. Now, I know people are going to go crazy. Oh, he's comparing somebody to Floyd. No. If you look at Devin Haney defensively, he's always out of range. It's hard to get in range with him. He has a really good jab. He always finds himself out of range. Great head movement. He does have a bit of a plodding style. He doesn't fight on his toes, but I mean, God, it, his upper body movement, his lower body movement, his pivots, his footwork, everything is on point. He's very technically sound. People that say he doesn't have power, they don't know what they're talking about. Now he moves up to 140. He has plenty of power. He stifled Prograze's power. He stifled it. He was first with the jab. He was going to the body. And Prograze didn't want to overextend because he didn't like the counters that was coming back. Haney can fight coming forward. He could also fight on the back foot. The dude is really fucking good. He can beat anybody at 140. I'm convinced. That was my takeaway from that match. Um, I mean, there's not too much... Other stuff on my mind, you know, I just, I've gotten into The Wire. A lot of people were telling me to watch The Wire for a while. Like a long time, people were telling me to watch The Wire. So I'm in season two. It's pretty interesting. It's not as good as everybody was making it out to be, but maybe it will be by the end of the series. I like it. Um, I'm really a Game of Thrones fan, Sopranos fan. Those are probably my two favorite series I've watched. Ozark, even though the ending was complete ass. But The Wire is pretty good, man. I like the character development. It's it's a really good show. A bit dated, obviously, but, you know, it's it's. I'm watching it way later than when it was uh, originally shot. So that's to be expected, kind of like The Sopranos. But I, that didn't really ruin The Sopranos for me. So those are, you know, just some short 
short little uh, thoughts I have that were on my mind. The last thing I want to talk about, the main reason we are here, CM Punk, Chick Magnet Punk, back with the WWE. Man, hell has indeed frozen over. That's the phrase that's been used, and it's apropos. Um, You know, a little over 10 years ago, CM Punk left WWE, walked out. Was then sent his, um, you know, his best of luck in your future endeavors uh, package on his wedding day. He has been very vocal about his, um, his dislike for how WWE does a lot of things, their setup, their power structure, et cetera, et cetera, but... What people have to understand is they can call him a hypocrite, which, you know, you're entitled to your opinion. But the setup at WWE now is not the same as it was then. It's a lot more free-flowing. It's a lot less walking on eggshells. Vince isn't there anymore. Um, There's a lot more opportunity for everybody. Doesn't seem like it's just... This guy and everybody else. It's not Roman and everybody else. It's not Cody and everybody else, right? Which is great because if you prove that you are worth the minutes on weekly television and you prove that you are worth a championship reign or you prove you're worth main event in a pay-per-view, you have the ability to work your way up to that spot. Triple H has proven that. You know, you see the emergence of Dragon Lee. Uh, you see the emergence of the Judgment Day, Grayson Waller, a lot of new blood. When you insert CM Punk into a red-hot company like this, it only makes them stronger. And when you have personal issues in real life that you can have bleed over into the television program while also being professional still, suffer Rollins, then you got a white-hot, product that can sustain itself for an extended period of time. Seth versus CM Punk at Mania is a money match. Cody versus Roman is still a money match. The fact that someone has made tickets as they do without Roman on week to week is it just shows LA Knight and Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso and Sami Zayn, all these baby faces they've gotten over. It's amazing. Drew McIntyre, they're building into a monster heel. Bronson Reed, I think, will emerge as a monster heel shortly. WWE's on fire, man. They're on fire, and it's like a freight train headed downhill. Can't stop it. So, with that being said, um, let's talk about the state of AEW as a result. Now, everybody wanted to make it out to be like CM Punk was the problem there. Despite the fact that they still have a lot of backstage bullshit going on. Despite the fact that Tony Khan still can't put his big boy pants on and fire people himself. He has to put a fucking committee together for all that. Despite the fact that Tony Khan still doesn't know how to book, right? All these issues are still very prevalent now that CM Punk is gone. 
Seems like they're just making up this devil shit as they go along. And their houses are down. Their ratings are down. Their merch is down. Everything's down. CM Punk was at the top of the merch seller list for their company. And he's been out for months. What does that say? They don't have any attractions. Nobody that people are going to come and, you know, leave their house and pay for a ticket to come see. That's what wrestling's all about. And Tony Khan doesn't get that. You're supposed to be creating television. You're supposed to be creating stars producing television. That will convince people to leave their house and come to see it. Instead, he's giving away money matches on free TV. And he has no attractions that people will come in droves to see. No wrestling company has sustained without attractions. Without one guy, at least, that somebody wants to come see. In droves that you can sell out a place with. And match him up with different guys. WWE has a white hot feud potentially with Becky and Nia. Are you fucking kidding me? You know, I'm not even going to see like, I'm not even going to say like I'm a diehard WWE fan. Because I'm not. I don't, I like, up till Punk came, I wasn't watching either show weekly. Because to me, WWE was boring. AEW was stupid, right? I don't like boring or stupid. I like coherent and entertaining. WWE has slowly but surely laid a foundation where their show is becoming more entertaining, more off the cuff, more free flowing. Feels like it's happening right in front of you. Not so much shit that, you know, insults your intelligence. Still a couple of things. Just a couple of minor things. But AW, holy fuck. It's like watching a video game. It's like watching your little cousin sit and play matches on loop on a video game. Everybody's kicking out of everything. Doesn't mean I'm an AEW hater. What is there to hate on? I'm not in the wrestling business. The fuck am I hating on? That's just what I see when I watch it. When I see clips, when I hear people talk about it, I say, oh, that's what I remember. A shitty product. If you like it, you like it. Feel free to disagree with me. But right now, AEW lacks an attraction. Somebody that will convince people to come see him. Live. Buy a ticket. Buy a ticket, buy a hot dog, popcorn, whatever the fuck. Sit down in that seat. Cheer for him, boo him. Whatever the fuck. Emotional investment. They're lacking it. CM Punk brings that. For better or for worse. Whether you hate him, whether you love him, whether you're in between. Most people aren't in between. They either love him or they hate him. Which is why he draws money. And what they're going to do heading towards WrestleMania is going to be fucking legendary. What they're going to do at WrestleMania is going to be legendary. Because he's legendary. He is. That run that he had from 2011 to 2013, along with that championship run, was fucking legendary. Fans were clamoring for him to come back for years. Because he's that good. He elicits emotion. So that's my short little spiel. 
Um, overall, man, uh, you know, those were my thoughts about everything that's been happening around me that I haven't been able to comment on. And I really hope I can do this more often. I can't promise you, unfortunately. I wish I could. I'll try to do this at least bi-weekly. Check in with you guys and talk to you guys and interact with you guys. But until then, I hope you all have a very safe holiday. If you celebrate it, if not, hey, go see your family anyway. Um, Be safe, be productive, and until then, peace.